Epic South. Hey, listen, if you are wondering what that video was, that is a glimpse of last year's momentum, and I believe that this year's is going to be even more powerful. And so I am glad to announce, in case you didn't hear, that registration is officially open as of today. You can get it signed up. You can get locked in. Hey, listen, I want to encourage everyone in this room to go. Uh, don't let money be an issue. Don't let that get in your way of what God wants to do in your life. As a matter of fact, I woke up this morning uh, from a buddy of mine, and he was asking. He, he goes to a different church, and it's not an Assembly of God church. And he said, hey, uh, can we take non-Assembly of God church youth groups to Momentum? I'd really like to take five or ten kids. And I was so excited. I'm like, absolutely, yes, this is open. We're, we're, we're not going to shut the gospel out to anybody. And so if, if people who aren't even part of our fellowship are trying to go to this, how much more do you and I need to make sure that we got our registrations filled in? So here's the deal. Um, again, don't worry about the finances too much. I know for you and me, sometimes we worry a little too much about money. The Bible tells us if God takes care of the birds in the air and you are so much more precious than the birds in the air, how much more won't he take care of your needs? If you believe that this is something that God wants you to do, then you have to trust that God's going to provide it. He might give your dad overtime this week or, you know, there might be a check mailed to your house. Something might happen because I believe in the God of miracles. But here's the deal. That's no good if you don't do the first part. So I need you guys to make sure before you leave today, grab a form and do me a favor. Don't lose your form. For, a matter, for an example, this is AJ's form that I found lying around on the ground. Already half filled out. And he already lost it before we even start. Here you go, AJ. I found it for you. And so here's why I say that. Um, we already got rainforest burning. We don't need to kill more trees because you keep forgetting your form and need to get another paper form. And so grab a form. Let that be your only form. Take it home. Fill it out right away. As a matter of fact, fill it out here. Most of that info you know, right? Your name. One of my favorite times uh, we had under the list, who's your phone carrier? And somebody wrote me. And I was like, they're like, what do you mean? They're like, I carry my phone. I'm like, no. Is it like T-Mobile or Sprint? And so fill out the form. I hope that you know most of the answers. Take it home. Talk to mom and dad. Listen, they might say no the first time. But ask again. You don't ask once, right, if you want to go outside and play. You annoy them. You're like, but, like, for real, though, can I go? Come on, my friends are outside. Can I go? Please, I'll do it. What, what, do, you, what do you want me to do? I'll do it. I'll do the dishes. I'll clean it, whatever. Just, okay, okay. And after a while, they let you go. So maybe they say no the first time. Ask again. Maybe you need P. Joy to talk to him. I'll talk to him. Maybe you need somebody else to jump in. Maybe we need to bribe mom and dad a little bit, you know, put a little hundred under the thing. I don't know. We'll do what we got to do to get you there. But I want to encourage you. The cost right now, where's Haley at? She's doing the cost. Cost, I think, is at 100 bucks, is it? Does anybody know? Jazzy? 110. 110 is early bird registration. Uh, that's your the bus, the really nice big coach bus with TVs and bathroom, um, the hotel room that we're going to be staying at overnight, and the registration for Momentum. And like I said, if you have a friend who doesn't go to church, doesn't uh, believe in God, but it's somebody you've been working on and, and they're interested and willing to come, we are willing to pay for them. We are opening up at least four spots for every small group to bring somebody so you can bring a friend with you if they fill out that criteria and we will cover for them. And so again, I want you to hear my heart. We want everyone to go, but spots are limited at this point. So I think we got like 70-something spots available. So we want to try to fill those up fast. That way, if we know we have more than that, then we got to figure out a way to get them there, and, and that's a good problem for me to have. But what we can't do is the last second, 20 people want to try to go, and it's like, dude, I don't have a room for you. I don't have a car for you. Like, there's no logistical way for us to get you there. Does that make sense, guys? So if you are core people, sign up immediately. That leaves room for your friends to come on board. Amen? Awesome. So we want to make sure you know that. Uh, also, announcement-wise, there's no small groups tomorrow. The first Friday of every month, uh, we have it for the leaders to just come in and plan. You know, all that stuff that they do every night doesn't just happen magically. They work at it. They pray. They seek God's face. And so that's what they do every first Friday of the month. So if you show up here, um, you're out of luck, okay? So just make sure you don't run in uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow is your day off, but do what God called you to do anyways. And uh, last announcement. Where is Eliotto? Did he go to the bathroom? And then Emily, there's Emily. It's already on social media, so 
Uh, in case you guys didn't know, Jonathan and Emily are officially engaged now. My boy over there popped the question. Hey, y'all want to know how he did it? Should I tell him the story? Y'all want to know how he did it? Jonathan, you wanna, should I tell him how he did it? My boy was smooth, ladies. He learned from his pastor. He knew, he, he knew the game had to be tight. So what he did was he took her out in the woods, you know, just in case she said no, he can leave her, you know, just completely lost in the woods. But she loves nature. She so took her out, right, real smooth. And then he handed her this journal. He was like, bah! You know, ladies like journals. But this journal has already been filled out. See, Jonathan had been keeping a journal since the day they started dating about their relationship. And so there's all these important moments in their relationship that he kept a record of. And so as they sat there, Jonathan said, hey, why don't you open up to this date? And it was a really cool moment that they'd have together. How about you open to this date? How many years have you been dating? Two years, was it? So it's two years worth of journaling. And then he goes, oh, hey, why don't you open up to today's date? And on today's date, he wrote out his proposal. So that she could forever have it in her book the day he asked her to marry him. How, how many think that's dope? Give it up for my boy Jonathan. The little swag. That little swag my boy got. I see you, Jonathan. I see you. You are almost as good as me. Almost. I love it. Ladies, remember, the bar is high at Excel. We don't, we don't settle for losers here, okay? The bar is high. Um, okay, so we are jumping in uh, to a new series, and yes, I am wearing all my bear swag today. I'm even wearing my autographed bears hat from Eddie Jackson, the bear safety, who I just ran into at a restaurant last week, and I was like a little girl. I was like, oh my God, it's Eddie Jackson. I really freaked out. Like, I was like butterflies in my stomach. It's like I saw Sicily for the first time again. And uh, I was so excited. I'm so pumped up. If you don't know, the bears right now are celebrating their 100th year anniversary. The organization has been in existence for 100 years, and the NFL has been in existence for 100 years. So since the NFL started, the Bears were one of the franchises, the beginning franchises, and they have a long history. And as we speak, they are playing the hated Packers. And don't say anything, please, I implore you. We're recording a few of us are going to go to my house afterward and watch the game because guess what? God is priority, right? God comes before anything else. And so we are here to make sure that you understand what God has for us today. And it's ironic that we were talking about the Bears 100 and the NFL's 100 because I want to talk to you about a specific 100 that we find in the Bible. If you have your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 15. And I want to talk to you about 100 sheep. I want to talk to you about 100 sheep. But this is something that God just kind of began to put on my heart and I just began to settle into it. This month, I want to walk through the whole chapter of Luke 15. Because I really believe God wants to set us up for something. And here's what I believe God wants to set us up for. At the end of this month, the last Thursday of the month, I want to believe for miracles in this room. Like, I honestly want to see real miracles. And here's the miracles that I want to see. I believe that at the end of this month, as we pray, as we seek, as we fast, as we press in, as we hear God's word, that God's going to begin to open doors for you to bring your friends to Excel for the last Thursday of this month where it's going to be specifically for new people and we're going to give a presentation of the gospel to give your friends an opportunity to say yes to Jesus for the first time in their lives. Does that sound good? Oh, that didn't sound like you thought it was good. Listen to me. I'm, 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 I'm not just telling you. You are going to have an opportunity to bring a friend whose entire life and the generations after them will change forever. You are going to break generational curses by introducing this friend to Jesus. You are going to break years of servitude, of alcoholism, of abuse, of hatred, of atheism in a family from one invite. You're going to change the trajectory of a household forever. This is a miracle. And I believe we need a month to get ready for that. So I'm not asking you, hey, bring them next week. It's going to be a fun time. No, no. I want us to really have a mindset. That over the next 30 days or, or a little bit less than that, we're going to prayfully consider how God is going to help us do this miracle. We're going to prayfully consider what it means to bring this friend. And I'm not asking you to bring a million friends either. I'm asking you, put all your effort into at least bringing one. If everybody brought one, we would double in size in this room easily. 
make every effort to say, listen, this means the world to me. I love you. You're one of my closest friends. And if you would ever, this counts for all my birthday gifts. This counts for all my whatever presents you ever want to talk. Would you be willing to come on this night? And I believe that as we've been praying and as we've been working, that God is going to give them an opportunity to change their lives forever. Now, why is that so important? Well, if you look at Luke chapter 15, he begins to break it down. I know for me growing up, I don't know if you guys ever heard this saying. In Spanish, you hear it a lot. Dime con quien andas y yo te diré quien eres. In English, it's tell me who you're with and I tell you who you are, right? And, and I used to hate that as a kid. Like, oh, I see you with your little friends, your little blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, that ain't me, all right? And so I get frustrated with that. And so a lot of times when you grow up in church, you're kind of taught to be isolated from non-Christians, to not associate, to not connect with the mundanos, with the worldly. And listen, I understand what that means to a certain extent. The Bible tells us that we are in the world, but we're not of the world, okay? Let me help you understand that. We, are in, we live in this world. This is the world that we live in. We live in it, we're just not a part of it. And if I can give you a good illustration for that, I want you to picture a boat, okay? Everybody picture a boat? If you're in a boat and you're on the water, let's say in a big, in the middle of Lake Michigan, and you're on a boat, that's how it's supposed to work, right? You are on the boat that's on the water. You know what's bad is if you're in a boat with water in the boat. If there's water in the boat, what happens to the boat? It sinks. And then what happens to you? You drown, right? So a boat on the water, good. Water in the boat, bad, right? That's what it means to be in the world but not of the world. We, we have to be out in the water because that's where the people are. That's where God called us to be. We just can't let all the bad things of the world come into our boat. So we got to keep dry, but we still got to be out there. Now, kind of connecting that to what we're talking about in Luke 15, I'm not saying you need to uh, do all the things that the world does, but you need to be able to connect to the world in as much as you can connect them back to God. And so when we look at Luke 15, Jesus uh, is kind of being ridiculed and almost harassed by the religious community of the time, by the religious leaders who were angry at the fact that he was hanging out with prostitutes and thieves and tax collectors who were basically like thieves at the time. And, and they were judging him for it. And so if you look at the first two verses, they say this, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. <gasps> How dare Jesus eat with them? Listen, we have to have this mindset of understanding that you can't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Okay? You can't be so heavenly minded that you don't know how to connect with people on earth. <laughs> At the same time, you can't be so earthly minded that you don't connect with heaven. We are the bridge between heaven and earth. Through Jesus Christ, he is using you and I to help be a bridge to connect those on the earth to the one in heaven. And so Jesus, he's doing that. But the Pharisees, they had this isolationist mindset where they cut themselves off, where if you think differently, I don't want to have any relation with you. And that's what the world is becoming more and more. You're just seeing it now from the world. The world is saying, well, if you believe that, then I don't want to associate with you. Or if you think this way, then I don't want to connect with you. Either you think how I think or we're not going to connect. So the world is doing it now too. So we have to work now twice as hard to make sure that we are connecting with those who don't believe what we believe, who don't, who didn't get to grow up in church, who didn't have an understanding of the gospel because God has called us to do so. And so Jesus is hearing all this complaining and he responds to them with an illustration or as the Bible calls it, a parable. A parable is a, a simple story that explains a difficult spiritual truth. And so listen to the parable that he gives them. It's about a hundred sheep. It says, so Jesus told them this story, verse 3. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go search for the one that was lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. 
I want to talk to you about these sheep. And if you're taking notes, one of the first things I need you to write down is this. It's just a thought that came to my heart. The majority isn't always the priority. If you're taking notes, I think I need you to write this down. The majority isn't always the priority. I've read this story a number of times, and uh, every now and then I think about this one thought. And I don't know if you guys have ever thought it. But I think, doesn't it sound a little crazy that he left 99 sheep in the wilderness to go find one? What about the 99? Didn't he leave them open to attack? Doesn't he leave them vulnerable? What if they start to scatter off? What if they start to get lost? Doesn't it make more sense for him to just stay with the 99 than risk maybe losing more? But I think that's a church mentality that often you and I have. See, we are the 99 in this room right now. Raise your hand if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you consider yourself a Christian, raise it high. Real quick, raise it up, raise it up, raise it up, raise it up. Okay? So you are our 99. You're already a part of the flock. You're already one of the sheep. And here's the mindset. We would rather stay close, have fun, go to conventions, go to camps, have games, be a part of small groups, connect with three or four people, and leave it be like this, then worry about the one who's not here. Then worry about the one sheep that doesn't come anymore or that hasn't been or had an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Our mindset oftentimes, especially in today's age, we treat church like we treat any other consumer thing. What is in it for me? What's the best offer for me? This church offers the best thing for me. And once this church stops offering the best thing for me, then I go to another church. Why? Because we see the church as feeding us. But we have to understand, the reason that the shepherd was able to leave the 99 is because he knew that the 99 was going to be okay. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us. It's not explicit. But it could be that he had some helpers. You know, other illustrations in the Bible tell us that the shepherd had some people that would help out. And so maybe the shepherd had some helpers and he said, hey, you watch over these 99 while I keep going out and looking for the one. You know, you have helpers. You have Pastor Joey. You have your leaders. You have these people that God has brought into your life to help the 99. But we have to be careful not to forget about the one. We have to be careful not to get so comfortable in our 99 that we don't know how to add one. See, sometimes we get into this mentality, us four no more. I like my little group. I don't want to add anybody to my group. Oh, this is a new person. I don't want to connect with them. I don't know them. I don't want to be around them. I'm good where I'm at. So if somebody comes by themselves, somebody by the Holy Spirit gets drawn into the church and they connect here. During hang time, during the, that moment where we all greet each other, everybody says yes to the three or four people they know. But they leave that one new person standing in the back by themselves. No one took a moment to go and say hi to them. Why? Because I have this mentality, I like the 99. Why do you think I had you guys cross over? Because almost every time I say, hey, gentlemen, find a gentleman. Ladies, find a lady. This is what happens. Hey, 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 all right. You don't even move your feet, right? You're like, hey, oh, hey, 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 hey. All right, cool. <laughs> but God is saying, hey, listen, I need somebody to go across the aisle and meet somebody they don't know. Ask yourself this question. Do you personally know, let's just say with the, with the ladies and with the gentlemen. Ladies, do you know every single lady in this room that's a student? Gentlemen, do you know every single gentleman in this room that's a student? Why would God bring more people if you don't even know the ones who are in the room? I say this to the leaders all the time. Why would God add to our numbers if we suck with the ones he's given us? Right? We have to understand, it can't just be us 99. Because God wants us to be at 100%. And at 100% means we got to find the one that's not there. We have to have this mentality that someone's missing. Listen, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18 through 21 says this. But your bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it was only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Going down to verse 26, it says this. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all parts are glad. 
all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. See, each of you as an individual serve together as a body. The problem is there are parts of our body that are missing. We're 99% complete, but there's 1% missing. I don't know about you, but if I had a choice, I don't want to be 99% complete. I don't want to have almost all my toes. <laughs> I want all my toes, <laughs> right? I don't want to have just almost all my fingers. I like even the baby one. Like, I want all my fingers, right? I don't want to have just one ear, <laughs> And that's the same mentality we have to have. There's a part of our body that is missing. And if we had the choice to add to it, we would. All right? If somebody came up to you and was like, all right, now left leg or right leg, which one do you want to keep? You're like, uh, both. <laughs> is this a real choice that I have to make? Right? Nobody wants to make that choice. But oftentimes we forget about that 99 and we forgot about that part of our body that's missing. And listen, that part of our body, it may not seem like it's a big deal. Right? There are parts of your body you've never seen. There are organs that you've never seen. I don't know about you. I like my liver. I've never seen my liver. I don't know what my liver looks like, but I know it's working, and I know I want it. <laughs> there are parts of you that we haven't seen but we need. There are people who need to be here that aren't here that we need to bring in. And we can't just forget about it because nobody here is willing to just give up a body part for no reason. It reminds me. Uh, when I first moved uh, to the, the building we were in when I was about eight years old, my family had moved uh, into this new house. And in this new house, we were all pretty young. I think I was like eight and my little sister was like five. And uh, I was at school. I think my, maybe she was four because I don't think she was in school yet. But me and my older sisters were at school. And uh, we had found out when we came home that Jenny, my little sister, had asked my mom if she can go to the store with the neighbor lady downstairs. And my mom told her no because she had some stuff to do or whatever. But then like maybe an hour later, the neighbor lady came up and said, hey, um, what happened with Jenny? I was, I've been waiting for her downstairs and she never came downstairs. And my mom was thinking maybe she did go with her. That's why she hadn't seen her for a while. So now the neighbor lady doesn't know where she is and my mom doesn't know where she is. So they all start looking all over and they can't find my little sister. So me and my older sister finally get home from school. And we see my mom sat at the table crying. And, and I don't know about y'all, but when I see my mom cry, I freak out. I'm like, I will kill whoever it was, mom. Tell me what happened. But my mom's crying at the table. And I'm like, mommy, what happened? What happened? And she's like, I can't find Jenny. I can't find Jenny. And now I start freaking out. I was like, where's my little sister? We're crying. We're looking. We're getting angry. We're going all nuts. And while all this commotion is going on, from behind some of the moving boxes in one of the bedroom comes my five-year-old little sister, Jenny, like, hey, what's going on, guys? <laughs> she was so mad that my mom didn't let her go in the first place that she was crying and she went into the room and she knocked out behind the boxes. Yo, I, I think I beat her. I don't remember, but I'm pretty sure I hit her <laughs> just for making us freak out so much. You know what my mom didn't do? My mom didn't just sit there and go, oh, well, at least I got three other kids. It was, it was fun while we had her, you know. She was cool, but uh, whatever. No, it broke my mom's heart because she couldn't find one of her own. Listen, when I said, hey, your friends are going to get to come and, and they're going to get to know Jesus, here's what I heard from you. Ooh. You know why? Because it doesn't break your heart. It doesn't bother you that your friends are going to hell. It doesn't really mess with me. It doesn't bother you that your friends don't know Jesus. And the fact that it doesn't bother you should bother you. The fact that it doesn't affect you says more about your relationship with God than it does about theirs. We have to understand that the majority isn't always the priority. God focuses on the one too. The other thing that I learned when I'm reading this chapter or this section is that we have to go to the lost, not wait for them. We have to go to the lost, not wait for them. Listen to what he says. Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one? We have to be willing to go. Most of the time, evangelism-wise, we wait till they show up. We wait till they feel like it. We wait till, till new people come. Listen, we can't have that mentality. We can't have that mentality of, hey, they're all welcome. Well, how do they know they're welcome if we don't go tell them they're welcome? You know, it's like, hey, man, how come you didn't come to the party? You didn't invite me. 
oh, man, but you could have came. Obviously not. You didn't invite me. <laughs> I don't know about y'all. I'm not going to just show up somewhere that I wasn't invited. And I hate when people do that. Oh, man, you should have just came anyways. No, I should not have. That's awkward, and it's obvious you didn't want me there. Okay? We have to be willing to go to where they're at, not wait for them to come to where we are. Because think about it like this. You want your friend to go out of their comfort zone into a room full of people they don't know with music that they've never heard, with a random guy who they don't know shouting at them. You expect them to go into that kind of environment. What I'm saying is it's a lot easier for you to go to them, for you to teach them in the lunchroom, for you to talk to them about your faith with God. Listen, if I'm a waiter, is it easier to bring the bottle to the table or the table to the bottle? Right? I'm not going to just carry the table everywhere. I'm going to bring it to them. And so we have to understand that we got to be willing to go even when we're afraid to do it. I don't go into your classroom because that's awkward. How many know Pastor Joey's going to get arrested? He is an adult. He is not allowed in your class. I'm not going to be in the locker room like, hey, fellas, how's it going? Right? Immediately in jail. You are there for a reason, and it's not just to get an education. That is your mission field. Listen, Romans chapter 10, verse 13 through 15 says this. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on his name unless they believe in him? All right, pause right there. This is an open invitation. It says, listen, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's not a, a rules or regulations. Anyone who's willing to call on his name, repent and believe, will be saved. But it goes on to say, how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Guess what? You are supposed to be the someone. You are supposed to be the someone. And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring the good news. You are the messengers. You are the ones who are being sent into your school every day. Now listen, I get it. They might say no. But did you ask everybody? <gasps> you want me to ask everybody? Yeah, try everybody. I guarantee you someone will say yes. Well, I asked my two friends, uh-huh. You go to a school with three people? Yeah, I'm homeschooled. I apologize. That's accurate. <laughs> okay, go to the park. <laughs> But you have to be willing to go and make a connection. When I first got saved, you couldn't stop me from going. And eventually, I went through my whole grade, and they got annoyed enough with me that I started making friends with underclassmen. And guess what? When you're older, those of you who are juniors and seniors, underclassmen love to hear from you. Because you're like, oh, dude, you're so cool. <laughs> oh, my gosh, you want to talk to me? Yeah, about Jesus. Whatever, yeah. <laughs> It was amazing how much the underclassmen were willing to listen to me because they already respected me because I was older. They already thought I was cool. They already, and guess what? Those of you who are juniors and seniors, if you haven't figured it out, you don't care about the people in your grade anymore anyway. You are so done with them, right? Like, honestly, you're like four years, I cannot wait to leave this place. I can't stand her. I can't stand him. I'm done, right? We'll start with the younger ones then. Get with those freshmen who are just trying to figure things out, who are just trying to make a friend or two. Be a friend and then connect them to the greatest friend. Figure out your leverage and the opportunity that God has given you to be in that school. Get over your schedule and start making time for other people. I guarantee if you make those connections, they will come because here's the deal. All of you are here because somebody brought you. Someone brought all of you. I don't think there's anyone in this room who just wandered in one day like, hey, what's up, guys? <laughs> all of you were invited. All of you were brought by a friend. That's the way it works. You're the one that's stopping the continuation of that by not bringing someone yourself. And so you have to take that responsibility and understanding. I have to go. I can't wait for them to talk to me about it. I can't wait for them to call me and be like, hey, man, so, like, uh, I heard you were a Christian. Can you walk me through salvation? They don't know what that means. They don't have any understanding of that. Listen, I love how much we've raised 
for missions over the years, but we got to be about the mission, not just raise money for the mission. We can't outsource the responsibility that God has given to you and I. We have to be willing to go and do the work. And here's the deal. When they come, and I do believe they will, I believe if you trust God, if you listen to the Holy Spirit and you do what God called you to do, I believe you can bring someone. But here's a big question. When they come, what will they see? See, if we go back to Luke 15, it says, when he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. You know what that says to me, if you're taking notes? That your attitude toward the lost being found matters. Your attitude toward the lost being found matters. What do I mean by that? If it doesn't hit you dead in the chest when someone says yes to Jesus, you've lost that connection. It's the same thing like when I'm at weddings, I just stare at my wife. And they're doing all the violence. Even when I'm doing the wedding, like, I'm like, hey, do you take this? And I'm like often looking at my wife like, hey. Why? It reminds me of the moment I said yes to her. It makes me love my wife all the more in that moment. Because while I see them making the commitment, it reminds me of my commitment and I get emotional from it. Why did I get so excited hearing Jonathan's engagement story? Because it reminded me of my commitment to my wife and how I proposed to my wife. And it gives me so much joy to see two people living godly lives and doing things the right way and connecting in the right way and dating in the right way and being able to do this the way God called them to do it. It excites me. You need to get excited when one of your friends is able to say yes to Jesus. Excited to the point where you got to see it again. We need to become addicted to watching our friends get saved. To where you, you just, man, I need another fix. I need to bring somebody else. Again, going back to when I was a teenager at Excel, no one had to tell me to do this. No one taught me how to do this. I discovered something powerful and amazing in Jesus Christ. And I looked at all my friends who didn't have it. And I knew they needed it. So I would do things. I would steal my pastor's notes and then stand at the uh, table at McDonald's and preach the same message he preached. I would sit down with my friends that were in gangs and I would convince them why it was so stupid and how they can belong to a family in Jesus Christ and watch them go and get the violations to get out of gangs to enter into the kingdom of God. It just started getting just so exciting because it started working. And I started seeing five friends, ten friends, twenty friends at a time. I remember I had whole sections with just my friends. And it wasn't so that people can look at me and go, wow, look at how amazing Joey is. It was because I knew what I found. And I knew that somebody else needed to find it too. Now with all those people I brought, plenty of them said no. Plenty of them said, no, listen, I would do this one thing. I would walk to church from Fullerton and Laramie. I would walk to Belmont and Austin. <clears throat> and on my way, I would knock on every door that I knew. Every house that I knew one of my friends lived in, I would knock on their door. And I'd say, hey, man, I'm walking to church. You want to go with me? Right now? Yeah, come on, right now. Let's go. All right. One friend, two friends. It would be like seven of us walking down the street all going to church together. Why? Because I knocked on the door. Hey, what are you doing? Nothing. You want to go to church with me? Yeah, all right. All right, come on, let's go. <laughs> As a matter of fact, one time I went to my friend's house, I rode my bike there, and I was like, hey, let's go to church. He said, well, my mom can take us. I was like, all right, cool. Uh, can I leave my bike right here? He's like, yeah, that'll be fine. They stole my bike. <laughs> to this day, he's still a Christian. He works in ministry. I'm loving it. But I go out to, hey, by the way, you owe me a bike, bro. You still bringing that up? Yeah, man, that was my sister's bike. <laughs> I lost bikes. I lost money. I would pay people. I didn't do it for any recognition or any points or anything. I did it. Because I knew people needed to know Jesus. And I became addicted to watching them say yes. I cried harder than they cried. Because I love them. And I love the Lord. And the only thing I can love more is watching them love each other. I need you to get addicted to this. Forget about just the 99. And start getting addicted to finding the one. Your attitude towards the lost being found matters. What do I mean by that? When they say yes to Jesus, are they going to find a family here? Because here's the deal, if you think about it, the Bible talks about when you uh, say yes to Jesus, you are a new creation, right? You're born again. We already talked about it. my wife and I, we're going to have a baby. When Josie's born, how many know I'd be a bad parent if we're like, oof, 
Well, she got here. All right, well, just leave her there and we'll visit her a few times next year. <laughs> right? How many know it would be weird if I left Josie in the hospital laying on that bed? That's just the beginning, her being born. Now I got to raise her. I got to bring her into my family. I got to love her. I got to care for her. I got to feed her. I got to change her. Woo. And if she's anything like her mama, that going to stink. <laughs> I got to do all these things. Why? Because she doesn't know how to do anything for herself. What kind of family are these people going to find when they say yes to Jesus? What kind of family are they going to find in Excel? Listen. Acts chapter 15, verse 4 through 5. This isn't a new situation. This is happening from the very beginning of the church. It says, when they arrived in Jerusalem, Barnabas and Paul were welcomed by the whole church, including the apostles and elders. They reported everything God had done through them. But then some of the believers who belonged to the section of Pharisees stood up and insisted. The Gentile converts, the people who were non-Jewish, must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. So what's going down? Paul and Barnabas had been doing mission work. They've been going all over the world preaching the gospel. And the gospel was being preached to Gentiles, people that were not Jewish in background. Because Jesus told them to do this. Like, man, listen, the door is open to the whole world. So all these people are getting saved. But there's this group of people who belong to this Jewish section, this small group of people that said, listen, now that they want to be part of our culture... They need to adapt and become like us before they become part of us. Listen, we need to make sure that in this room, people can belong before they become. People need to be able to belong before they become. What do I mean by that? Well, listen, if they show up and they're smelling straight up like weed, okay. They're, they're new. If they show up, they got hickeys all over their necks, Okay. They're new. This is new to them. I'm not expecting a transformation overnight. I'm expecting somebody who doesn't know how to learn, love the Lord and act like the Lord and be who the Lord. So if they're showing up and they're coming, I love this, by the way, when, when new people come up to me and they're like, man, uh, that, that effing sermon was amazing. And I'm like, oh, dope, right? <laughs> Why do I love that they swore? Because they're real. I don't, I'm not encouraging you to swear. But I'm saying, this guy, he doesn't care about trying to show me a good face. They're just being honest. And they're speaking the way they always speak. The change is beginning. We need to find a family that's not judging them because they're still figuring it out. We need to find a family that overlooks some of their mistakes and loves them anyways. Right? Can you imagine if the first time Josie poops, I'm like, oh, man, I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> I don't want her. <laughs> like, No. I'm, I'm going to be right there. I don't know if you all know, but the first poop is like black, like tar. It's really gross. And I'm, I'm going to be in there wiping that black tar right off her. Why? Because she's mine now. She's a part of my family. And when she throws up on me, she's going to be a part of my family. And when she's crying all night, she's still a part of my family. And I'm going to teach her how to love the Lord. And I'm going to teach her how to honor God with her body. And I'm going to teach her how to honor God in her walk. And I'm going to teach her how to reach her friends with the gospel. And I'm going to teach her how to pray and do her devotion. I'm going to teach this girl. Why? Because she's part of my family. When these new people come in, what would happen if you as part of the family took the responsibility to say, hey, listen, I'm going to teach you how to do a devotional. My leaders taught me, but I'm going to teach you. Hey, I'm going to teach you how to pray. Do you know how to pray? I have no idea. Let me teach you how to pray. This is how I pray. Let me teach you how to worship. Do you know what we're doing? Hey, when, when worship starts and they're standing there looking awkwardly, what would happen if you came over like, hey, do you understand what they're doing? No, this is all weird. Well, we call this worship. And worship is when we sing God or we sing honor and praise to God. It's like prayer but to music. And uh, the reason they're lifting up their hands is it's a natural way to honor anybody. And so uh, why don't you come up with me? I'm going to show you how we worship. That's what it means to find a family. What we don't need is people saying, oh, we don't do that here. Uh, I don't know what church you go to, but at this church, we don't do that. Uh, we call him P. Joey, not Joey. He is not your friend. Don't talk to him like that. I get your heart, and in due time, we'll correct them. But in this moment, they're new. Love them. Be a family. Be willing to embrace them with all their flaws and mistakes. Now listen, if they're here four years and they're still doing the same stuff, yeah, we check them. All of y'all, I will check you. You've been here long enough. 
I will tell you, no, you're acting like a, a new believer, and you are not a new believer. Stop that crap. Right? Because Josie pooping her diapers, okay. P. Joy pooping diapers, not okay. Right? At this point, I should know. <laughs> there is a difference. So don't sit there and be like, yeah, everybody's so judgmental of me. Because you should have grown up by now. All right? You need to work on that. <laughs> but a new person, that's different. And guess what? You're not the one that has to carry the whole load. Because, again, looking at my Bible, the Bible says that when the shepherd goes and finds a sheep, he puts them over his shoulders. That tells me this, if you're taking notes, that Jesus will carry them until they can walk. If he puts the sheep over his shoulders, he's going to carry them until he can walk right again. Because his walk before caused him to wander from the Lord. So Jesus is going to carry him until he learns to walk near the Lord. And that symbolism, as he's carrying the sheep, he's speaking to the sheep. Why is he speaking to the sheep? So that the sheep can know his voice. Even now, I talk to my daughter every night. I go up to my wife's stomach and I just talk to her. And she reacts. Y'all want to know something cool? Every time I preach a sermon, Josie goes nuts in the belly. She moves like crazy. She doesn't move before or after. But while I'm preaching, she doesn't stop moving at all. Why? She already knows her dad's voice. Because I speak to her every night. I speak to her and she's recognizing my voice. When the, shepherd, when the shepherd carries his sheep, he's speaking to the sheep and it's learning his voice. So what does that tell me? You don't have to be the voice of correction all the time. Let the Holy Spirit do that. You don't have to be the one to tell them the rules. Your job is to love them. You don't have to be the one to tell them this and that. Your job is to just let them know, hey, you're welcome here and we love you and you are part of this family. And you let the shepherd speak to their ear. You let them begin to hear his voice. And you tell them, hey, this is how you hear God's voice. This is how I learned to hear God's voice. Listen, 1 Peter 2, verse 2 through 3 says this. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. When they taste that bit of Jesus, they're going to want more. They're going to want it. Just like babies won't stop crying until you feed them, they won't stop crying out for the Lord until we begin to feed them. But they better make sure that they find a place where they feel welcome and able to feed them. Does that make sense? So worship team, if you can help me out. One last point that I want to make and then we're going to close in a, in a specific way. Last point is this, heaven, if you notice in Luke 15, verse 7 says, in the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. What does that tell me? It says this, if you're putting notes, heaven rejoices more for the lost than the found. Heaven rejoices more for the lost than the found. You want to see the Lord pleased? You want to make God happy? You want to honor him for everything he has done for you? Bring the lost home. You want to see heaven throw a party? Watch one person give their life to Jesus. Watch one person experience the transformative power of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you. But when I get to heaven, I want to hear those words. I want to know, well done, good and faithful servant. I want a train of people following me saying, all right, God, I got me plus these others. I don't want to show up by myself empty-handed. God saying, where's everybody else that you talked to? Oh, I didn't. No, I want to show up with a whole party. I want to show up like, Yo, you better give me room. I want the bigger house because I got a lot of people with me. I throw a whole paranda in there, put the music on. We coming through. You can have your little one-bedroom apartment up in the attic somewhere by yourself. But I want a whole crew of people with me. And so here's how we're going to close tonight. I'm going to ask you to stand right where you're at. And in a moment, I want to invite you to come up and pray. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to put this whiteboard up here right in the middle. It's just going to kind of divide both parts. And in a moment, I want you to come up and pray. And here's what I want you to pray about. I want you to begin to ask the Lord, God, who's that one lost sheep that you want me to bring next month or at the end of this month? 
Who's that one sheep that I am responsible for? Who's that one sheep that Aaron is responsible for? Nobody else but Aaron. Who's the one sheep that Jazzy is responsible for? Nobody else but Jazzy. Who's the one sheep that Victoria is responsible for? Nobody else but her. Because here's what we do. We're like, well, well, so-and-so will do it. You know what that means? So-and-so won their friend for the Lord. You lost yours. Literally, there are people in your life that the only thing standing between heaven and hell is you and your lack of effort. Now listen, if they say no, your hands are clean. If they reject you over and over again, if you've done everything, now again, listen, don't just be like, hey, you want to go to church? No, I asked. <laughs> like, but if you tried everything, if you asked, if you figured out a way to pick them up and get them here, if you set everything up for them and, and even last second they blow you off, your hands are clean. That's fine. God's not going to hold that against you. But if as we pray, the Lord begins to put people on your heart and out of your fear, cowardice or whatever, you don't do it. I need you to know that's on your hands. So I'm going to ask all of you, come up at this place. The worship team is just going to play some music, and we're going to sing a little. Or actually, don't sing because I don't want to get distracted. They're just going to play. And as you approach, I want you to begin to ask the Lord, Lord, who's on my heart? Who's my lost sheep? Who do I need to find? So come on. Those of you who consider yourself Christians, those of you who have a relationship with God, I'm calling you all out. I'm not, exam I'm not saying, hey, who feels like doing this? I don't care if you feel like doing this. If you consider yourself a Christian, you need to do it. Now, listen, don't write right away. Pray about this. Pray about this. Come up. Pray about this. Pray about this. Pray about this. God, who is it? Who's on my heart? Who are you calling me to give? Because we can all write names, but I want you to really put who God put on your heart. Now, if the, as I was speaking, the Lord already did that. Great. But I want you to close your eyes so you're not distracted. I want you to begin to talk to the Lord. I want to ask the Lord to begin to, to put that person's picture on your mind. Jeez. Come on, begin to talk to him. Begin to talk to him. Lord, who is it? Lord, who is it? I'm not talking about inviting your friend that goes to another church. They're not lost. They're just part of another group of sheep. I'm talking about people that you know who don't know Jesus. People that you love, people that you interact with on a regular basis, people that you know, if they just had an opportunity, I know they would say yes because they need it. If they just had an opportunity. And as you get it, if you see it, go ahead and grab a marker and write their name down. If you get more than one, knock it out. Just stay up here after you've written it down. Don't go back to your seat. We're going to stay up here and we're just going to pray together in closing. I don't need their full name, just their first name. We don't need any personal information. You and the Lord know who they are. See, here's my hope. My hope is that at the end of this month, that person comes, says yes to Jesus. And then after service, you walk them over and say, hey, I want to show you something. That's you. This whole month, I've prayed for you. This whole month was set up for you. This whole night, they did it for you so that you would know the saving grace of Jesus Christ. It might be a relative. It might be a cousin. Listen, as long as they're between 6th and 12th grade, they are here. Now, I'm sure there's plenty of other people who need Jesus in your life, and you can bring them on Sunday. There's no problem with that. But I believe God has specifically given somebody in your circle at your age that he has put on your heart for this reason. Once you're done writing their name, I want you to stay at this altar. I want you to ask God to help you. Come on, you begin to pray. God, open the door. God, begin to give me opportunities. Begin to show me what to say. Don't just drift back to your seat. I want you to begin to intercede. Right now is when we begin to pray. We pray for our friend. Maybe God is going to begin to stir their heart right now. Maybe God is going to begin to move in them right where they're at at home. Come on, just begin to pray. Just begin to ask the Lord. Ask the Lord to intercede for them. Ask the Lord to touch them. Ask the Lord to open their heart. Ask the Lord to provide a way for them to get here. Come on, come on. Somebody needs to lift up their voice. Somebody needs to lift up their voice. Come on, cry out for them, cry out for them. Your attitude matters. How you feel about this matters. If it doesn't hurt you, if it doesn't feel deep in your soul, they're not going to come. If you don't care, why should they care? If you don't have passion for it, why would they ever have passion for it? It has to matter more to you right now because it doesn't matter to them at all. 
So until they have faith, you need to have faith for them. Until they believe, you need to believe for them. So come on, young people. This is your ministry. This is your responsibility. This is your lost body part. You need to begin to intercede. You need to begin to cry out to the Lord. Lord, Father God, I just pray for everyone here today. I pray for all of the lost sheep, Father God. Lord, that you're the one that can provide. You're the one that can guide them, Father God. Lord, that we take every opportunity that we can pray, we can fast, Lord, that we could do everything in our power. But, Father God, our power alone is not enough, Lord. Lord, that you can provide opportunities. You can make miracles happen. You can open their eyes, open their hearts, Father God. Open their ears, Lord, that they may say yes for that night alone, Father God. Lord, because that's the night that things change. That's the night that, Lord, lives are going to be changed, Lord. You're going to be changing lives that night, Lord. Lord, I pray that you could just give us these opportunities and give us this power, the courage, the determination we need to be able to get to those people and reach those lost, Father God. In your name we pray, amen. Hey, listen, look up at me real quick before we dismiss. I know God will do his part. We're going to do our part. The only question is, will you do your part? So here's my challenge to you. I need you to continue to pray now. Don't just write their name down there, but I want you maybe take a picture with your phone so you don't forget who it was. I want you to begin to take time every day, maybe five minutes. Hey, I'm going to dedicate five minutes every day. I'm going to pray for this person. I'm going to pray that God would give me the right words to say. I'm going to pray that God would open the door for me to speak to them. I'm going to pray that God would allow their parents to let them come, that there would be a ride for them to get here, that everything's going to work out because we're going to be praying about it. Some of you might be fasting. Some of you might say, hey, listen, I'm going to give up video games until my friend knows the Lord. And until they show up, I'm not going to play video games. I'm just, I'm, I'm going to put that away. Why? Because that matters more than playing a video game. You know, some of you might cut out music. <gasps> but music, okay, what matters more? I'm going to cut off music this whole month. And the time where I would sit there and play music, I'm going to pray for my friends. I want to see how many of you are willing to take it seriously. Because here's the thing. I don't know if all of you will do it. But I know that some of you will change the world. And so I need you to figure out which one of those you're going to be. Amen? So I want you guys, start pressing in now. Start figuring out a way now. Every week we're going to focus on a little bit aspect of this, on how to reach our friends. So that on that day we're ready to do what God called us to do. Amen? God bless you. We love you. We'll see you next week.